0: the, news. the info, we gave you the clues.
1: owners profits were always sky high hey everybody welcome to navel gazing the valley indie podcast my name is eugene driscoll of valleyindie.org that's a nonprofit online newspaper covering Ansonia Derby and Seymour when I can look the great give is coming up in May The Valley Indy needs your support. I'm just going to throw that out there. We desperately need your support. There's a lot going on, right? The Valley Indy's got to keep an eye on what's going on in Ansonia, Derby, and Seymour. And we can't do it unless we have support from the reading public. So now that that's out of the way, I want to welcome back to the broadcast Mr. John Marini. You know him as, well, he's a man of many hats. He's the corporation counsel for for the city of Ansonia. He's a member of the Knights of Columbus up in Seymour. And all that we're going to talk about during the next uh, 30 minutes or so. Welcome back to the broadcast, Mr. Marini. Hey, Eugene, thanks for having me on. And my pleasure, my pleasure. So I'm completely ill-prepared. I'll I'll apologize in advance. It's just been one of those days, you know, getting the kids from school or having them dropped off and then keeping everybody in line and trying to do the homework and all that good stuff. But John is on because first we want to talk about well, spoiler, we have, we have two subjects we're going to talk about, a screening coming up this Saturday at the Strand that is for a very worthy cause. And then in the second part of this broadcast, John and I are going to talk about a lease agreement that was just signed a matter in a matter of hours, the last few hours, involving the city of Ansonia and the privately owned and Sonia opera house. So that's the agenda. So first, John, what is coming up? The where, when, and why, what is coming up at the strand theater on main street in Seymour?
0: Great. Well, again, thanks Eugene for having me on to talk about Godzilla. It's always great to talk about Godzilla and you never need to really be prepared, you know, to talk about monster movies, right? You got to um, help me out. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, Valley Sentinel, a nonprofit, um, and uh knights of columbus is a nonprofit as well operating in seymour at the strand theater every show we do at the strand is a dual purpose it's raising money to uh to upkeep the historic strand theater um, located at 165 main street seymour right in downtown right across from the train station but also it is a nonprofit that donates to charitable groups in the area uh, but next week's show saturday's show is a little special as we're specifically raising money to give to the Knights over in Ukraine to help with humanitarian efforts, given uh, the crisis over there, uh, specifically involving the Ukraine refugees who are being forced to leave Ukraine, um, get them out of harm's way. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put the proceeds towards that effort, go from one Knights Council here uh, in the United States over to Ukraine, uh, and see what we can do to do you know our best to contribute to that uh, situation.
1: Yeah. And uh, good good on you and, and good on the Knights of Columbus. Uh, like I said, that is a incredibly worthy cause. All the news coming out of Ukraine is just so depressing. I think I read today, 7% of the population has been displaced or, or has left the country. Something like 10 million people or something like that have been, uh, if they're not out of the country, they're they don't have anywhere to live at the moment. So the, the,
0: the need is just crushing. So, and, and this is a lot the of, a lot of individuals, Eugene, with, with ties um, back to that area, right? A lot of Valley, uh, a lot of Valley folk have ties back to whether it be the Ukraine, uh, Poland, um, myself, my grandparents were from uh, Slovakia. I have great grandparents actually from the Ukraine. So uh, even though the ties may be a little distant, you actually have a lot of connections, a lot of ties back to this area. And everyone, of course, wants to stand up for democracy uh, and against what, what Russia is doing here. So it's a show of solidarity and whatever little bit we can do to help, you know, we, we want to do that.
1: And we're recording this on Monday, March 21st, the Strand over the weekend, or maybe it was Friday, had... a. Uh, Screening of The Quiet Man, Yep, the the ultimate, uh, at least in my house growing up, the ultimate uh, Irish movie and one of the best uh, fights ever recorded uh, on screen. So and, and proceeds from that was for the, the same purpose here. So maybe I'll share my screen if I can figure this out. I'm not all fancy uh, John Marini Corporation Council who can share screens, uh, you know, the snap of the fingers. I'm still getting used to this stuff. But uh, here hopefully is a Facebook page that you can see. And there it is right now coming up. Saturday, March 26th, there's a Godzilla double feature. And then if you, and this is sci-fi at the strand. If you go to sci-fi at the strand on Facebook or use Google, right, we can all figure this out. You can get a way to get tickets. You see the link right there. So this is a double
0: feature, John. And this is what, like the third Godzilla double feature you've had up there in Seaboard? This is the fifth we've had since summer 2019 um and so this particular one and you see this is a you know real work of art over here you got godzilla you know he's stepping on putin i this just a classy that. work here and i wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't displayed at the arts gallery in downtown Ansonia sometime. you should put
1: future. can you print this out and put it up for auction i'm sure that would oh, i get should a i bucks. should
0: i should do that maybe display it over at the valley sentinel uh, headquarters That's Well, that's my basement right now. I did pay
1: rent on Seymour. I'm going to have to return. But uh, yeah, there's Pummel Putin. Uh, So we're trying to get the
0: message across any way we can. So sci-fi at the Strand is sort of this arm of the strand, right? An arm of the the nonprofit that's specifically pushing these uh, sci-fi movies. Uh, Most of them have been Godzilla movies, five of them, right? And Saturday night, we're doing a, a double feature, two Godzilla movies, um, from the early two thousands, right? One is called Godzilla two thousand. The other, uh, Godzilla versus Megaros. I was going to say like, those that are like Godzilla you know, versus you know, who? I, I this couldn't, I may couldn't. be you know for, for those that that aren't uh, that, that that maybe don't speak that language. Um, these are old school Toho produced Godzilla films, you know, the original Japanese company that originated Godzilla back uh, in, in the 1950s. So this is a man in a suit. While there is some CGI here by this time, it's not Godzilla, right? So we have the old school you know, guy in a suit. We have the old school uh, miniatures that uh, he's stepping on. So there's plenty of cheese here. Uh, there's plenty of humor here. Um, this isn't the slick uh, computer generated imagery that you see in the most recent series. Um, but at the this same is Godzilla time, the way he was meant to be exactly, exactly, exactly. As and I, your as old I school yell, Godzilla man. fans understand that, right? There's a big difference between the Japanese style Godzilla and the American style Godzilla. Uh, and I think there's always going to be that bias there. Um, and so we're really happy to put these two that you may not see in this context. You know, the spotlight always tends to go to the classics, from the 50s and the 60s, like the original and Mothra versus Godzilla and King Kong versus Godzilla. But these are two that you know maybe you'll catch on TV, but to get the experience of seeing them in the theater, that's kind of rare. And it's not just a double feature. There's a lot around okay. it as well. It's going to be accompanied, both movies are going to be accompanied by classic trailers of old school uh, kaiju, or you know, that's Japanese for giant monster, old school kaiju trailers. So you'll see the stuff back, you know, going back to the 60s and the 70s to get a piece of that as well. And there is a raffle and you are entered free with every ticket into this raffle. And of course, it's going to be a lot of stuff like this. We got Godzilla himself. I think we got six of these. You know, so you got your Godzilla vinyls that we're going to give away. Oh, wow. Beautiful. Um, We got larger ones. Got whatever sitting around John's office. And you, you come across this stuff all the time in my office, right? But these are special. This in particular, um, these larger vinyls, this is from uh, the guys. What's a vinyl?
1: Who, I do know vinyl from records. That's oh, they're a, made what out of vinyl.
0: vinyl, yeah. You can't play them. You know, you can't put them on the record player, but they're made out of vinyl. Oh, right? okay. So This is a tradition going back to the very early, early days in the 60s when, you know, when the Godzilla got very popular uh, overseas in Japan. And um, that tradition has been continued to this very day, where these um, figures, some created by, toy, by companies you, you may be familiar with, like uh, Bandai, um, creating these vinyl uh, reproductions of Godzilla that uh, are pretty popular in the collector's market. Okay, so that's After all the stuff we release. can get.
1: How about your sponsors, John? Who's
0: sponsoring this thing? So I want to mention right off the bat, uh, in terms of these two larger vinyls, uh, Pinto Comics. Wait, what? yes has contributed some of these vinyls here. Where are those guys getting this stuff from? You might no. want to lick it.
1: I'm not a lawyer, but you might want to lick into that. Did I just say lick in? Look into that, I'm trying to say. They're a very
0: successful I... podcast, Eugene. It's not like these nonprofits like the Valley Sentinel that have to scrape by on donations. I mean, they're a legitimate entertainment hub. You know, and Sony is already on my list today, but now I never would have... All
1: right, you know what? I don't want to get into the... Per... There's some legal actions that I've... Uh... Give me Ben Proto's number. I saw him I somewhere. I saw him today. today, yeah. I heard, I heard. Okay, so of Comics is one of the sponsors. Good for Pina Comics. I'm, is it the radio hour or the podcast?
0: The podcast. Is there, oh, okay. I believe it's the podcast. All right. Um, well, um, Also, we have uh, our sponsors include uh, Paracon. Our, is that uh, coming up again? Very first paranormal convention. And now we're going to have uh, Connecticut's very second paranormal convention coming back to the armory. This July. So we're very excited uh, to have that back at the Ansonia Armory. Ghost hunters. They will be there at the show. They will be there at the show um, selling tickets to both Paracon and some of the other ghost hunting attractions they have coming up in the months leading up to Paracon. Some um, Investigatory training, I'm told, if you want to uh, learn how to track ghosts.
1: Good. Yeah, I like that. I'm into that. All right, so should we play one of the – I'm interested in Godzilla 2000 a little bit because I watched the trailer, just a, like a snippet of it, and it strikes me like it's a little more uh, – it's a more violent, it seems, than the Godzilla movies that I'm used to. Is that is that correct? Is this a little more uh, – things falling on people godzilla or is that just that i just pull you i don't know
0: eugene you know the first told me that was
1: john amanda from of comics
0: yeah i mean the first movie is, is basically a metaphor for the atomic bomb so you know he's killing uh many many people and buildings are falling and there's radiation and i'd actually say this is you know a little more comical uh but yeah it's it's probably a little more aggressive than the 60s stuff right the silly 60s and 70s stuff i'd say
1: Okay, so here it is. We'll play a little bit of this, and hopefully I don't blow out everyone's speakers. Also, before we begin, I just got a note. It's like the, so this is from 22 years ago, and the guy who's doing the narration is the same guy who did like every narration from 1980 to 2016. Die hard. It'll blow you through the, oh, shut up. power Is unequaled. Yeah. His battles are legendary. His return oh, is near. The guy didn't die by like the truck. end of civilization. Get ready. I've spotted him for the 23rd big screen appearance of the world's biggest star. Godzilla! Oh, we could stop it right there. We could stop it right there. Although it's still going. All right. Yeah. So we had some technical problems there. Obviously, Pinta Comics hacked the mainframe, teaming up with uh, John Marie and probably Pinta Comics. But my favorite line of that preview, John, was where I think it's the female character just says, uh, I see him or something like that. That was some quality dialogue. Did this screenplay win in the Academy Awards or the Japanese equivalent of Academy Awards? Probably you know? just
0: couldn't qualify. You know, I, I maybe just was disqualified. Some so that's the reality it should have i mean the answer is it should have you know the, uh, i should set the scene a little bit you know this movie godzilla 2000 this is the first toho produced film to come after that 1998 american reimagining
1: oh so there's some vengeance here they're taking it back because everyone hated it. there were some hurt one. feelings
0: right. there were some hurt feelings yeah my like national pride mine, definitely
1: the- the Japanese film industry. Everybody hated it. that was Roland. What's his name? Emmerich, who's, who's yes. really never made a good movie. I don't know how that guy has cruised so much off Independence Day. It's not that good. Mm. Bill Pullman, right. like God bless America, that was great. But
0: otherwise, they're they're pretty. Oh, and this was certainly uh, you know a step down, several steps down from even Independence Day, right? And it didn't even look like Godzilla. I mean, really, what was that? So he's called Gino. That uh, creation. They won't even call Godzilla him Godzilla, community. which I, which I called, love. So They love. call him Gino Godzilla in name only. So if you go to many of the conventions, right, if you go to G-Fest in Chicago, you know, there's not a lot of, of a love towards that particular film or that monster. So this was sort of a big comeback. Right. And I actually saw. Um, This one in the theater, Uh, they released it uh, through Tristar that had, you know, uh, licensed rights to put out the 98 movie. And you see Tristar was there, uh, the imprint at the beginning of this one that got it back into theaters. Uh, You know, that original Godzilla, the Japanese Godzilla had not been in American movie theaters um, since the 80s. And we talked about this years ago in in 2019. Uh, We talked about how in the 90s. These Godzilla movies were being released in Japan and only coming to home video in mm-hmm. the United States. So Godzilla 2000 actually broke that uh, that uh, that streak and put Godzilla back into American theaters.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So that's the historical context in terms of Godzilla movies of Godzilla 2000. So and again, this is coming up. Uh, what's the date, John? Is that uh, it's coming so this up this week? This is the, the 26th. 26th.
0: So this is this Saturday night. Uh, and again, it's two movies, right? Back to back. So you, you get to watch monster movies all night. Uh, you get a raffle, um, free entry. And we're going to have about, I think, at least 15 prizes to give away. You're going to see a bunch of fun trailers. And added bonus, every ticket gets you your choice of a free a monster button. And these are created by a guy uh, named Daryl Young. Uh, he's got a company, Daryl Young Designs which you could find on SD. And of course, all the sponsors, everybody partnering with us, you can find on our sci-fi at the Strand page. But he makes his nifty little buttons. So you can say I have one on now. And all of them are actually bizarre coincidence, right? These are all little political buttons. So they're, uh, they're, it, this one's the smog monster for president. Oh, I'd vote for him. And we have a huge, we have a whole box down here, but we have a huge variety this time, right? Of all sorts of huge. monster-related buttons. We have Gamera, right? Um, we have uh, Destroya, who's uh, another uh, Godzilla monster. We have um, Ultraman monsters. If you watch the Ultraman series, of course, we have Godzilla. Um, Goldar, we have some uh, random Japanese... Creatures, like and He-Man. heroes from uh, both film and television. And so there's a whole, there's a whole giant box worth of all these buttons. Look at these. So we're going to have one with every ticket and you get your choice of character as long as supplies last.
1: Wow. So you can, you can see a movie, you can support the people of Ukraine and you can get a free button uh, a all pin. by a pin. I'm sorry. A uh, pin or a
0: button pin. right?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. You, Politicians, are always you're always correcting me. It's, it's going to set me off. So the uh, it's this Saturday coming up. You can get tickets uh, in advance by searching Sci-Fi at the Strand on Facebook and then go to the Eventbrite link or Google. Uh, I can imagine, can you buy tickets uh, the night of? Oh,
0: look at that. You can certainly buy tickets the night of, but the price does go up a little bit at the door. I think it's a dollar more expensive thereabouts if you buy it at the door versus ordering online.
1: If Pine of Comics showing up, they're not showing up, right? They're not going to show the I don't know. I don't know.
0: Are you showing up? That's the question. You change. It's my
1: daughter's birthday. She's in third grade, and there's uh, no
0: better treat than to take her for a Godzilla double feature. She, That's what I'd want for my birthday. I'd be very happy. She would. I mean, I We're could bring an extra her. Button. We'll throw yeah. in a giant robot. Have you ever escorted a child
1: out of a out of a movie screening? Because that's definitely she would not sit still for uh, Godzilla double feature. It just would not happen. And I don't want to I don't want to have to write that headline. John Marini kicks child out of movie theater. Uh, So I'm going to have to it's going to have to be a hard pass out of my concern for for you. But the people feel free to I have a parking space across the way. Somebody can use that because I'm not going to be able uh, to make that one. Uh, all
0: right, so let's
1: change gears. There anything else you want to add about that, John, that I haven't asked you?
0: Well, I mean, the shows are fun. It's for a good cause. Um, again, it's a reasonable price. I think it's $12. Gets you uh, two movies, gets you entered into a raffle, gets you a button. Um, and it is a lot of fun. And we do get a lot of fans. I'll say, you know, it's a lot of, um, you get a lot of younger fans, a lot of little kids, which always surprises me, who, who are into Godzilla and, and not just newer movies either. Um, you have a lot of fans who who must have some uh, parents with some good taste as you get a lot of uh, fans, you know, young fans of the original series there. And it's kind of neat to have an opportunity to gather all those fans in one place and not have to go out to somewhere like Chicago once a year for G Fest, you know, to, for, to locally have uh, an event like this, which is why and- we're you know, we're going to keep going. We are branching out into some other films beyond Godzilla. I think oh. Spaceballs is going to oh. be our next show in a couple months. But we're always going to be coming back uh, to godzilla
1: listen i want to do a double feature i I always try to get larry to do it but he just never returns my emails scary larry dwyer uh, of derby of connecticut cult classics who puts on these double features at the strand as well prince of the city and serpico right we'll do like a seven out no i can't get any interest in that i just i just want to do a double feature where like three people show up and then that'll be my thing but the other thing i love about these screenings that you're doing like the Columbus are doing and it's just the fact that the strand exists. I love it so much because it's also a way to get people into downtown Seymour. Downtown Ooh. Seymour has restaurants popping up uh, all over the place. You know, it, I mean, I just saw the Batman at a multiplex. But it was like I'll name it. It was in Trumbull, but you're kind of like isolated. But what's great about even I mean, you can even pop down to Main Street, Ansonia, get a bite to eat there, take 115 up. It's all there's so many options, and I think it's great that an event like this is bringing people uh, to our downtowns, you know, because mm-hmm. that's really important, and it's of course what we need. And I guess that's a transition to our next topic, because as I said at the top of this broadcast, uh, before I fuddled the, uh, the the audio of Godzilla there for a good 20 minutes. You know, we're recording this a little past seven o'clock at about three o'clock today, there was a public event in Ansonia where uh, the mayor signed a lease agreement with the owners of the Ansonia Opera House. Now, if you're watching this from outside of the Valley, you're, you may be asking what's the Ansonia Opera House? And you're probably asking that question because it's sat empty for a very long time, but we're talking about a building that is in the heart of Ansonia on Main Street, downtown, that I think has been vacant since 1971, and now there is a move afoot to bring life into it. So I guess my question is, John, what is what was signed today? What exactly is going on?
0: So this is a, a partnership. Um, and it's actually, uh, you know, a great thing. It's, it's a partnership that spans, um, you know, uh, from, from the owner to the city to individuals, right, that had no stake in the game, um, coming out of the woodwork uh, to band together, um, to get this project moving, you know, across political aisles even, um, to really uh, bring back this, um, this historic Ansonia site the Ansonia opera house. And, and I think you're right. A lot of people would say, wait a minute, Derby has an opera house. Ansonia doesn't have an opera house, but hidden away in 100 main street, the upper floors of 100 main street, same building that houses crave, right? I think everybody knows where crave is uh, upper floors of that very same building is the shell of the abandoned Ansonia opera house. Um, still there with a stage a balcony seats um, but long since abandoned, you know, 1971 was the last time any activity was going on there. And even then it was sort of a, you know, random activities like, uh, roller skating, um, an office for alcohol services, drum lessons, a dentist hasn't really been operating like an opera house or like a true entertainment venue for even decades prior to that. So, you know, the reason, um, you know, the, the reason you don't hear a lot about opera houses and, and, and old theaters being restored in Connecticut is because most of them are long since gone. Um, they either made it or they didn't. Um, a lot of the, the most productive uses for these things ends up being apartment buildings. And many owners cashed out a long, long time ago. They just said, hey, let me monetize this big building. You know, let me put in apartments or bring in a developer who, who can and make some money. But um, the Konjursky family, Walt Konjursky, the owner, and he owns it with with his brothers and sisters, Uh, he's acted like the the protector, the defender of this site, holding on to it and um, rejecting offers to develop it as apartments, preserving this shell of of the opera house. Um, There certainly are issues, environmental issues, uh, perhaps structural issues um, that would make it very scary for any private owner, any pr- private developer, to tackle this alone, um, but you know, as, as we looked at the explosion of activity on, on da- in downtown Ansonia, we said, "Look, this is the time. If we could form a partnership with Walt and his family, um, it's possible that we could have this historic site be part of Ansonia's future." You know, because with a partnership between the city and the owner, and now we put um, we put grant funds on the table. We can and take a look. Little- state and federal historic preservation funds to actually breathe life back into this facility. Not something that's going to happen overnight, not going to say it's not a challenge, but if there's a, uh, if there's a desire in the part of the city and the owner, it could happen. And I think that's what, what's exceptional about the situation is you have an owner in Walt who said, look, um, he sees the value in preserving this at, if not exactly as an opera house as a as a as a as a gathering place, as a social place, a place for entertainment, for arts in the center of downtown, and that that is a big priority for him, and that brought him to the table. Um, and the and of course the city, to their credit, you have a board of aldermen with a lot of vision, um, and a mayor with a lot of vision. A lot of cities wouldn't get involved in a project like this. They'd say, "Hey, whatever the market says." But, but here you had a board of aldermen and a mayor that said, look, we, we want to get involved here. We want to see if the city could be a partner with Walt and his family and, and it and sounds to me, save this thing for future generations.
1: It sounds to me, John, like you were saying uh, maybe a, 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 another local government might not do this, but it sounds like there's no other way to try to breathe life into that opera house other than being developed into, into apartments, which is happening all over the place. My former office space uh, in Ansonia is supposed to be converted to apartments at some place. We we were seeing that all over the place, but there's this push to keep this as some type of entertainment or meeting value uh, or venue. I'm sorry. But so in order for this property to access that, grant money and things like that. A government entity has to be involved. This is not, we've gone from no prospects to now at least having the prospect of getting these grants, similar to what Derby did for the better, for at least a decade until it finally just sort of stopped. But that the government has to be involved in this. Is that what's, and what, what's the arrangement here
0: that was signed today? So the arrangement is a 30-year lease and it's a dollar a year lease in favor of the city. Um, city will be assuming some responsibilities, um, for example, providing for uh, liability insurance inside uh, the, the, the opera house portions of the building um, and paying utilities associated with that floor. Um, but essentially, it's this opportunity to give the city this vested interest in the opera house that we could then use to apply for first assessment funds to figure out, you know, what is the extent of the environmental condition You know, at this site, you know, what are the structural challenges that we have in front of us, you know, so assessing and then determining a game plan, how are we, how are we going to attract funds to the site, and for what purpose. You know, in Derby, um, it was very important that a plan was approved by the state in order to be able to court historic funds, they're not going to fund anything right. So our guess as part of this process is eventually going to be coming up with a restoration plan that will be um, acceptable to the state, and then determining where to go from there. You know, is it the city and the owner that are going to be courting the funds for for such a rehab? Uh, Is it looking into something like tax credits to incentivize perhaps a private developer? I think we're a long way away from there. I think at the beginning, it's, it's assessment, it's bringing in the experts, um, it's determining, you know, w- what is the true condition or what are the true obstacles? And we're going to continue, you know, right, right now, this has come together as a partnership with Walt, with the city. And like I mentioned, um, you have individuals like uh, Anthony Mullins, um, who is a local photographer who works, uh, who have, has a group called East Coast uh, Photography. Mm-hmm. And um, he was actually, he played a role in this story as he was looking for locations to photograph, maybe about, it's a year and a half, two years back, um, looking for abandoned locations to photograph. And he, and he does so around the state, but he was looking at copper and brass. He was looking at some of our historic buildings, and he was interested in poking his head in the opera house. Um, and it, it's at that moment that we reached, you know, we, we talked to Walt, of course, along the last eight years, but we began a conversation um, with Walt at that time, as we allowed Anthony in, that, that led to this agreement. And during that time period, Anthony and his group have been, um, with the permission, of course, of the fire marshal and Walt inside the opera house, opening it up for, for, a, larger, um, for, for a larger group of eyes to see. Um, and the response has been tremendous, You know, from local photographers wanting to come down and see inside, to a former professional wrestler Um, who had uh, worked with the WWE coming down, a female wrestler, to take uh, publicity photos uh, at the site. Um, Like I said, it bridged political aisles. Uh, Gary Farrar, who was the chairman of the uh, Democratic Town Committee in Ansonia. Uh, And, you know, politics in Ansonia is, is of course, very placid, I'd say. No, it's boring. um,
1: they're not attacking each other. And on and Facebook very all day, dull, huh?
0: very dull. Not much to write about. But um, right. you know, sometimes the Valley Indies photos. bias
1: That's So overcome right those, those an hour stormy
0: waters. But this was a project, you know, where, where Gary uh, came over uh, working with Anthony, with the city to to kind of put light on this on, on this site.
1: Let me, uh, let me just rein you in for one second, John. I don't mean to rudely interrupt you, but in terms of getting grant money, I mean, grant money is taxpayer money. It's money yep. we all pay in, 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 and it comes back to us in, in the forms of federal grants and, and Brownsfield. That's all at the end of the day, taxpayer money. So it looks to me like I was reading over this this uh, agreement, the, the lease agreement that we have up here. This city, from what I understand, and of course I'm not an attorney, and that's why it's so great to have you here, and you played a part in writing this, the city is the one that's going to go for these grants. If received, the city will be the one that administers these grants. Uh, the city will be the one that hires the contractors and and all that good stuff through the use of the taxpayer money and administering the grants. Uh, so my question is, what does the owner of the property, because this is this is a the city's paying a dollar a year, basically to start on the path of a complete restoration, hopefully, ideally. Uh, uh, using taxpayer money in the broad sense of the word to get this place up and running, what does the owner get out of this? Where can he make money off this thing over the next couple of years? Assuming that is uh, a motivation to do this.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, first, um, what's in
1: it for him? I guess I guess I'm asking. Yeah.
0: Well, first, it's important to point out, you know, the use of grant funds. We don't take that lightly. If we're making an investment in this property. Um, sure, we have a 30-year lease, but we want to make sure that those funds, you know, are in it for the long haul. Which is why a deed restriction is a part of this agreement. So, by accepting this lease and by accepting the funds, a deed restriction is going to be recorded on the property that basically locks the use of these upper floors as an opera house or similar. Um, we understand that in the future, right? It's it maybe the, the an opera house isn't exactly um what what the city needs some type of meeting space theater yeah yeah, yeah. something for uh, entertainment venue entertainment and gathering so there's a deed restriction uh, which is a protection for the city and of course the taxpayers um and there's also a right of first refusal so that if someone does come along and make an offer deed restriction you know regardless of the deed restriction the city would have the opportunity to take you know its its investment that that taxpayer investment into the city directly um, but what does the owner get? Well, at the end of the day, you know, after 30 years is done, the owner does get an improved parcel with, we're hoping, right, a functional um, facility, um, a turned around, you know, a rehabilitated, turned around the Sonia Opera House or entertainment facility um, that they would then be able to monetize or perhaps it, it occurs sooner than that. It's possible that the city and the owner could decide somewhere in the process that it makes sense to get a third party involved, a developer with the funds necessary to shoulder some of the expenses. For example, the Derby Opera House, uh, it was all about getting a, um, a site plan approved by the state and then actually tying that to tax credits. So for example, if a, if a developer wanted to follow that site plan and restore the Derby Opera House, they would actually be able to get dollar for dollar um, their money back in tax credits over a certain amount of years, right? Thereby incentivizing their investment into that site. And and that could be a possible route here. Uh, The thing is with the Ansonia Opera House, we're not where Derby is right now, we're further back. So there's still a lot of assessment, a lot of studying to do, but I can say we're gonna do it as a team the same way we got to this point. So the Ansonia Alderman will be appointing an opera house commission that will consist of representatives from the city. Uh, The owner, Walt Konjurski, is going to be on it, along with the individuals that have helped get us to this point. Um, And these are, of course, going to be public meetings. So we're going to love to hear from the public. And um, we're all going to be learning and and planning next steps together here. So it Uh, sounds to
1: me, if if I'm repeating, if I repeat this back to you, it sounds like the gentleman purchased this opera house I get in the 70s. Is that he's owned it for a very long time? At an
0: auction, I believe, in the 80s. In the 80s, okay. Family, I believe the father, the father.
1: Okay, so this was sort of a family investment, a family property that uh, the current generation is, is sort of kept close to their hearts. It sounds like, and now they have. They're not looking to turn it into apartments, but they have this deal now where the city can come in. And and do a lot of the work essentially to get the thing up and running, with the hope of one day uh, he can either sell it or, or turn a profit somehow in that manner. Is that basically?
0: Uh, yeah, I, and I think that from Walt's perspective, you know, his ultimate goal here is to see this preserved as an opera house, to see this, you know, uh, to, to see it on a course where it's going to be restored. Without that mindset this deal wouldn't be possible because if it was solely about him monetizing this property, we all know that uh, space in downtown Ansonia is now in high demand. You see multiple apartment projects ongoing. Uh, I believe I can say, I know for a fact that he has been approached by developers who would love to turn those upper floors into apartments. And if his desire was to simply monetize, real estate market is very good for sellers right now. He could certainly cash out now. Interesting. Um, so this is a way doing, to really keep it
1: as, keep it what it was meant to be, or it's original. What he's doing is not,
0: yeah, what he's doing is not exactly convenient for him because he's foregoing that opportunity to monetize it now. And with the deed restriction, he's going to be foregoing that opportunity to monetize it the easy way as apartments going 30 years into the future. Right. So if you do the math, he understands, right. This is now, th- th- this is it. It, it. This is, you know, everyone's all in for this being the future of the Ansonia Opera House. He's foregoing seeing a monetary return here. So I think um, this is very altruistic on the part of the owner here to, to have this development serve of a higher purpose. For the city, you know, we are willing to roll up our sleeves and to be involved in the project because we know this is a unique resource. And um, we don't want to say goodbye and, uh, to this opportunity in our developing main street, you know, so much changes. We talked at the signing today, so much will change in downtown Ansonia. Um, but we would love for this particular site to be part of the city's future as well. And while we have all parties in agreement and sharing this interest, um, we thought, hey, you know, let's, let's go for it. And with the agreement of the 14 aldermen um, and with the owner, you know, we're on a way of, of finding out whether or not the Ansonia Opera House can be saved.
1: And I see here, and I'm just reading this for the first time. There is a tax credit in the amount of three thousand dollars to be reflected in the owner's owner's yearly property tax bill. How much is the city making off that property now in taxes? Does this take it off the tax rolls essentially? Oh no,
0: no. And so remember the Sony Opera. How this this building um, consists of commercial tenants as well and I'd say thriving commercial tenants. So the tax credit is simply in recognition of the fact that um, he's not going to have any opportunity to monetize these floors whatsoever in the next um, 30 years. You know, whether or not the city is successful, um, if it stays in the lease the entire time, right? If the parties stay with it, uh, this would be off the table completely for him. So this is just an appreciation of, and that is fair, giving up that opportunity. Interesting. Now, of course, okay. it's very likely, and we know in the future, right? Properties will appreciate in value, and we do uh, anticipate that the next uh, uh, reval will show a pretty substantial uh, increase in property values all around. So, in the grand scheme of things, the tax credit is simply just fair recognition of his inability to, uh, to 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 utilize these floors for for any reason.
1: And I guess, just as somebody who's covered the valley now for a couple of years. I mean, this, we're talking, this is a long process The uh, you know, I, maybe this is going to be on TV today signing, but it's not like a year from now, we're going to have a, a opera house that is up and running. I mean, just the search alone for grant money takes years, at least from what I've seen in Derby specifically, where it's been, you know, drip, 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 but I mean, it's progress nonetheless, although Derby's it's, you know, there's other priorities came up, but we're talking a long-term project. Definitely. Here, definitely.
0: It's not overnight. I think you're going to see a big focus in the beginning on assessment, you know, learning about conditions and you're going to see a focus on the exterior because of course it's a win-win for the exterior of the building to be fixed up. Um, you talk about new windows or repointing. This is something that doesn't just benefit the building, but, but benefits the entire environment downtown. And of course, you're, you're talking about, uh, attracting people to apartments, attracting people in, in and out of the city to our restaurants and our local businesses, right? So the enhancement of the exterior is, is just a big positive for um, for everything going on in our downtown corridor. Um, those are the two things you're going to be seeing likely in the next two years. And of course, it really depends on what the assessment shows in terms of next steps, um, what's, what's more or less likely. Um, my guess in about a year's time, we're probably gonna be in a better position to say, how long this project uh, would take to bring to completion.
1: And then you had mentioned this commission that's going to be set up. When's that going to happen?
0: I'd say probably next Board of Alderman meeting, we'll have names to start the, the group off. So we could start talking in earnest about, you know, getting those dollars for assessment um, and, uh, and going from there
1: okay all right so that was i mean what other podcast i know you you know you have some love for pint of comics i guess and whatever uh podcast scary larry dwyer does but name another podcast that starts off talking about godzilla and then is screen sharing a lease agreement between a municipality and a uh, opera house owner come on it doesn't happen anywhere else nor I do i mean there's probably not another corporation council in the state of the connecticut who also has a uh interest in uh godzilla and then getting like long in the muck and mire projects off the ground, which is sort of a pattern in Ansonia where these things that a decade ago, you would have just said, ah, whatever, Ansonia. Marini's dreaming, but things are happening. If you drive on Main Street, things are happening. You can't deny that. So anyway, that's that. Anything else you want to add, Mr. Marini?
0: Um, You know, again, I want to point out that it all does circle back right to the valley to getting energy uh, into the downtown of Ansonia, uh, of Seymour. You know, I think we all realize that the valley as a whole has been overlooked. And there's no reason for that. You know, there's a lot of unique um, attributes. of of these valley towns and cities. Wait, is this
1: going to turn into a campaign commercial for uh, Josh Stewart? Is that what's going on I can't go in that
0: direction, but thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. (laughs) I was going to point out,
1: my new favorite activity is seeing City of Ansonia photos and then picking out the new candidate. No, that's very
0: very cynical, Eugene. I was actually going to say, you know, I was going to lead up to, you know, and and watch the, uh, the social pages for Larry's next feature because on the heels of Godzilla, you know, going into April, April, he's bringing killer clowns from outer space and uh, the 80s version of the blob, both from 88, I was seven years old, um, to the Strand. So we're going to keep things going with the Strand. We're definitely going to keep things going with the Ansonia. In fact, you know, tomorrow we're talking about scooters. And you were chosen, Eugene, to try out no. the motorized scooters. Listen, so you are, I think, you, noon, you're supposed to be reporting. You, you got to bring your own helmet. Now I'm not.
1: Listen, let them buy an ad. All right. I'm getting totally cynical. Some sc- well, I, I, well, that's a whole other story. Because I, you got to sell me on these scooters. I don't get it. I don't get it. What do we need scooters? What does Ansoni need scooters for? First of all, when you get down near, like, where the uh, the Chinese restaurant is, the sidewalk is is sort of, I'm, I'm doing this. Like, I have trouble well, that, walking. That's going to make experience you know I'll, a lot I'll more I'll fun. Sue. You know what? I'll show up, and I'm going to sue. No, you got to sign a liability
0: waiver to get on one of these motorized scooters yeah, yeah. that's going to take you... Um, uh, seamlessly right from one end of main street to the other you'll go from the opera house all the way down to um to target all right and half see. the time and half the time half the time all right
1: it reminds me of uh, what is a wally when everyone's on the ship and they but they're in those those chairs like this it's like i could go for something like that all right i think i actually have i have an foy hearing i have to attend that's oh no wait that's later this week all right. So I want to thank John Marini again for coming on there. And, uh, you know, I like talking Godzilla and I like talking Ansonia. So hopefully we can do it again soon. Thank you, John. Thank you, Eugene. Thanks for
0: having me